Every now and then, uh, prompted by chance or circumstance, or sometimes even of our own initiative, we ask ourselves the question, what are we here for? Why are we here? Most of the rest of our time, uh, we are simply doing what needs to be done, all the stuff that's required to simply exist. Alive, working, driving, sleeping, paying bills, making appointments, cooking, shopping, cleaning. It takes a lot of time and energy to just simply exist. But as I said, every now and then, something prompts us to pause. Often, uh, it's a heart attack, literally, or a major car crash, maybe the death of someone close to us. Or sometimes it can even be maybe reading a, a short section of a book or watching a scene in a movie that catches our breath. And we take a moment to reflect on these questions, this issue. We ask ourselves, beyond the motivation of just existing because I was born and that's all I got, what do I, why do I keep going? What do I keep going for? The world offers us a variety of answers, some good, others not so much. Uh, find your bliss. Own the libs. Leave a, a lasting mark on the world. Die with the most toys and win. From any of these bumper sticker mottos, we can actually make a life, or at least a, a life of sorts. But most of what we hear from the world is at best hints or guesses, and at worst, harmful lies. In our text this morning, John makes a, a bold claim. John proclaims that if we want to know what we exist for, we must find it from God. In fact, John goes as far as to say that we must find what we are seeking in God. One of the key words uh, in our text is the word that's translated into English as true. So we heard... We know also that the Son of God has come, given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, even his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. In English, that word true carries a lot of possible meanings, two of which are true as in factual observable. The other one is true as in real, not fake, not made up, not fantasy. Our one word, true, uh, can mean all or both of those things. But in the Greek that John was using, those are two different words. They're similar in sound and spelling, alethes versus alethenas, but they have distinct meanings. 
And in our passage this morning, John uses the one that means real as opposed to myth. So listen again to what John writes, understanding that when he writes true, he means true as in the sense of real. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, who is real. And we are in him who is true, who is real, even in the Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true, the real God and eternal life. John was writing to, uh, or to people who lived within a cultural context where virtually everyone believed that all life in the entire cosmos was ruled by some sort of God or gods, plural. Belief in a, a solely in material or biological existence without any divine spiritual dimension was mostly unheard of. It wasn't if you believed, but which God or gods you believed in. Once again, John, as John has done numerous times throughout this letter, he reassures us readers, his readers at the time too, that the God they had come to know, come to believe in through Jesus Christ, is the real God, as opposed to being a myth. And because this God is real, they can know this God, experience the real presence of God. John believes this because of his experience of Jesus. That's what he's referring to. We know also that the Son of God Jesus has come and has given us understanding that we may know him who is true. And because of John's experience of Jesus, he, he trusts all that Jesus said about God. Our scripture from the book of Job reveals the profound impact that knowing the real God has on our whole understanding of the world and how we live in it. Many horrible things had happened to Job and and he was confused and he argued with God and then God showed up. And in the story, God shows all kinds of things and says, did you make this? Could you make this? And you're, you know, you're asking me to, to prove to you why I do things or what I'm doing. And then that experience of meeting God in person completely changes Job and Job's outlook on life. He said, I admit it. I once lived by rumors of you. Now that I have, now I have it all firsthand from my own eyes and ears. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'll never do that again. I promise. I'll never again live on crusts of hearsay, crumbs of rumor. And I love the way that is translated because it leads us into the same essential message that Jesus is after in our gospel passage. And using even that uh, metaphor of bread. Again, uh, I'll read it this time. 
but from the message translation. Let's look here. Jesus answered, you've come looking for me not just because you saw God in my actions, but because I fed you, filled your stomachs, and for free. Don't waste your energy striving for perishable food like that. Work for the food that sticks with you, food that nourishes your lasting life, food the Son of Man provides. He and what he does are guaranteed by God the Father to last. They ask, well, okay, what do we need to do? Throw your lot in with the one that God has sent. That kind of commitment gets you in on God's work. They were baffled. Why don't you give us uh, a clue about who you are, just a hint of what's going on? When we see what's up, we'll commit ourselves. Show us what you can do. Moses fed our ancestors with the bread of uh, heaven in the desert. It says so in the scriptures. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus responded again, the real significance of that scripture is not that Moses gave you bread from heaven, but that my father is right now offering you bread from heaven. The real bread, the bread of God came down out of heaven and is giving life to the world. They jumped on that master, give us that bread now and forever. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. The person who aligns with me hungers no more and thirsts no more ever. A few months ago, oh, excuse me, um, I jumped way ahead there. Jesus, Job, and John are all in agreement on this thing, that if we want to know what we are here for, if we want to live a substantial life, a real life, a true life in that sense, we must know the true God, the real God. And John reassures us that we can, that we do know him when we trust in Jesus Christ. We know, he writes, also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding that we may know him who is real, God who is real, her who is real. A few months ago, um, when I selected this verse to preach on, just verse 20, I purposely chose not to include verse 21, which is truly the last line of the letter. And even though it, it is the official sort of close of the letter, and originally, originally, I wasn't going to address it at all, um, in part because it felt out of place. It, it felt awkward, and, and um, I was uncertain kind of why John would close on this. It reads, the very, very last part of the letter, Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. John hasn't hardly talked, I, I didn't go back to look for sure, but Idol and idol worship was not a big thing throughout this letter. So I was confused and I thought, well, why would he close with that? And then uh, this week, as I was prepping for this, I read that verse in the message translation. And as so often happens for me, Eugene Peterson's translation helped me understand the connection 
what John was writing. Dear children, it's translated in the message, dear children, be on guard against all clever facsimiles. I love that. Because, again, uh, that sense of what the world offers us versus what God offers us. John is reminding us all that the world offers us clever facsimiles of what life is or should be. But it is Jesus Christ who offers us true life, real life. It's amazing to me how often this week I have been reminded of the many facsimiles of life that the world offers us. For instance, in response to the uh, destruction Elon Musk has wrought upon the entire Twitter company and the Twitter platform, I read a comment about how often we in the States equate being a billionaire with being a genius. And then we em- so we emulate billionaires. Or here's another. I read an article on how much the focus of our economic system, capitalism, requires us to be consumers of things. It reminded me of the time, you, you can help me out here. You, it, it was either right after 9-11 or it was right after we went to war in Iraq, but there was a time in that whole area where we were told that to, to be a good, true American, we should go out and buy stuff. Remember, spend to, to help save our country. What, what a crazy thing that, that the best thing we can do is to buy stuff, consume stuff. That is not why we are here, either to emulate billionaires or to consume. In Christ, we know and understand why we are here. And in summary, it is to love God and love one another. That knowledge leads us to care for the entire created world that God has given to us. It leads us to provide food for those who are hungry, shelter for those who are vulnerable, healing for those who are ill. We are here to encourage and support one another in expressing ourselves as persons made in God's image. And we do that through art and music and writing and just play. We're here to repair relationships that have been broken because we really didn't know what we should be doing and living for. And we do this through confession, repentance, forgiveness, even reparations. These are acts, all these things, that make a real life, a life that God, uh, the life of God that we share by being in Christ and Christ in us. This is why we are here, to live the life of God revealed in Jesus Christ. It is also why we are here literally this morning. It is the reason why we are in this space this morning, singing, praying, hearing God's word. It is so easy 
for most of us, I will say for sure for me, it is so easy to get caught up in the clever facsimiles of life that the world offers us. To be attracted by what they claim to provide. So I need, and I believe most of us need, to pause at some point every week to reflect on who we are, why we are here, to be reminded Sunday after Sunday after Sunday of what is true, what is real, to be in communion with others in order to remember that we're not alone in this. What we do here on Sunday mornings is remind ourselves of the truth that in contrast to what the world offers, Jesus Christ offers us real life, true life. Thanks be to God.